investing in property makes sense. Investing in the right property takes knowledge. Welcome to the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. I'm Jared McCabe, Director of Wakeland Property Advisory. Join me for expert insights into the fundamentals, trends and opportunities to help you create long-term wealth through smart property decisions. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 61 of the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. So we're now heading into um, the spring selling season, which is clearly a uh, very busy time of the year from a real estate perspective. Um, it's probably one of the, the most um, supplied seasons of the market in terms of, uh, of listings. Uh, and it's quite often regarded by many in, in property as um, the best time of the year to sell. But it certainly doesn't guarantee a strong result. And many people will make significant and avoidable mistakes from a selling perspective during this time. So I thought today might be a good opportunity leading into the spring to, uh, to have a chat about some of those mistakes that can be made. Now, they can quite often seem very obvious to many people, um, but for some reason they continue to be made. So it's definitely worth having the discussion to help uh, as many of you avoid those mistakes as possible. So the first one, and, and I'll probably say this um, with every dot point, but and it will seem obvious, is selecting the wrong agent. Uh, but it is amazing how many times they do um, vendors select the wrong agent for the wrong reasons. And I can list off any number of them. It may be that a friend has suggested you use this person, and, and maybe they were great for your friend, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're right for your property in your location. Um, Quite often you hear that oh we met them at an open for we met this agent at open for inspection and they offered to come around and uh, and appraise our property and one thing led to another and and now they've got it listed, again, just because they were at one and, and they they came across as very friendly which most of them do, um, is means that they're the right person for you. Um, a really common one is oh we bought the property through them so we thought we'd use them again to sell it and again just because you bought through them doesn't mean they're the right person to sell through. Um, but my favourite one is that we've become friends with them over a period of time, so we felt an obligation to use them. That's an agent's job, is to to befriend you, to feel friendly with you, to um, update you six every six months or so, to make sure that uh, they're in regular contact, send you a Christmas card, birthday card, all those sorts of things, um, to build that rapport and build that relationship. But again, you, there's no there should feel, be no obligation to, to go through with them. So... The agent selection, I feel, is a, is a really key part to a successful campaign, but if you get it wrong, it can be very hard to recover the campaign. So selecting the wrong agent can lead to any number of issues, um, but it can lead to many mistakes going forward because if you've selected the wrong agent, they may then start to give you the wrong advice around other elements of the campaign. And all of a sudden, you're going down a very slippery slope um, that, that can be very hard to recover. The next mistake that I wanted to talk about um, is around a method of sale and selection of, of the method of sale that you choose to use. And again, it's really important to maximize the result, selecting the right the right method, because it can still be absolutely possible to achieve a good result with the wrong method of sale. But what you're highly unlikely to be able to do is to maximize your price with the wrong method of sale. And I'll give you a couple examples of that. If you're looking at, say, an auction, and you decide to, to auction your property when you really should be going down the private sale path, an auction works best when there is greater demand than there is supply for a property. So if you're in a, in a segment of the market or your property is where there's a reasonable amount of supply for that property, but perhaps demand isn't all that deep and you choose to auction, then you're highly likely to turn up on the day and have a pass in with maybe one, but potentially no bidders. Now that doesn't mean it's not necessarily solely based on the auction. There can be other factors that have led to that. But by going down the private sale path with a property that's um, heavily supplied, 
you're much more in control of the market um, and it's probably more expected in that segment of the market as well. The other way to look at it is if you've gone down um, perhaps the expression of interest path when the um, better option would have been an auction. So a good example of that might be a um, a villa unit in some of the inner eastern suburbs, that sort of thing, where the expectation would be that it would be an auction. And the, the issue you can have there is then that um, many of the first home buyers that might be interested in that property can become very unnerv unnerved by an um, expression of interest. They don't necessarily understand how it works, um, what the process is, and they're far less committed because it's not as transparent. Whereas even though a lot of people don't feel comfortable at auctions, they at least understand how they work and they know who they're bidding against. So an expression of interest, although it, it can seem enticing from a vendor's point of view, it can be off-putting from a buyer's perspective. And then you don't get buyers committing fully to the process and being prepared to pay maximum price. So these are things that you need to be aware of when you're going down the path of, of selecting what method of sale you're going to use. The next one is around the assessment of value and, and then the eventual quote price that you do pitch to the market. Um, and like the previous two, it's really important to get this right and get it at the right level. Um, because the right price point is then going to mean that you're going to engage with the right buyers. Um, and it also is dependent upon the method of sale that you've chosen as to how you pitch it to the market. Because typically you'll find with a private sale, um, the, the quoted price is going to be more of a target price. And you'd love to get that, but there's a chance that you might have to negotiate with a prospective buyer and come back a little bit off that versus an auction where you're hoping to start your campaign around the bottom end of your quote and build through. And if things go really well, perhaps even get above the top end of your quote price. Um, but you've got to understand what your method of sale is to know what your price is. And if you then look at um, a couple of options in, say for a private sale and you quote it too low, well, it's going to be very hard to achieve actual value and get beyond your quoted price with a private sale. And so you're quite often going to set a ceiling and it's going to be hard to get up to the, the actual value of the property. And the same with an auction. If you quote that too high, um, then you, there's every chance that no one will turn up. Event buyers will look at it and say, well, they want too much. I don't see value there. I'm going to move on to something else. So it's really important to get that price point right um, so that you do engage with the right buyers at the right level um, and then hopefully get a successful result from there. The next element I wanted to talk about is around timing. Um, and as I said, we are now coming into the spring market and there's a saying, timing is everything. And it, it really is important when it comes to property, um, but there's no one size fits all around the timing strategy as there is with most elements with property. There's not, you can't just put a blanket over everything and we do the same thing over and over again. So just because it worked a certain time of the year worked for friends of yours who had a property um, doesn't mean that it'll be the right time of the year for you. Now, as I said, spring is regularly considered to be the premium time of the year to sell property. Um, but what that can also mean is that there's a huge amount of competition around that time. So if your property doesn't stand out and it's a bit similar to a lot of others, then you're potentially choosing to sell your property at a time of the year when it's going to have maximum supply and maximum competition. And so you need to hope um, that and rely on uh, extra numbers of buyers to come into the market to really create that competition so that you'll get that premium paid. Um, so it's a matter of taking a step back and saying, well, are there other times of the year where I could get a, a, just a stronger result um, by having less competition and what suits my property? So for instance, um, 
areas around Victoria particularly where, and not necessarily in Melbourne, where there might be strong demand during winter or your property might have really good northern light. And by having that streaming in in the winter months, that could really emphasise emphasize, sorry, the um, uh, nature of your property, the features of your property and why it's so desirable in the cooler months. And versus, say, looking at, say, a beachside property or a property that perhaps has got um, really good outdoor entertaining areas, um, and that might be a feature of the property. So warmer months of the year, and that might not be spring. It might be a February-March type timeframe where um, you want to emphasise the pool or the deck or whatever you've got going for that property to mean that that's a really good time of the year to sell. So don't get locked in on, I need to sell now, this is when it then it needs to be. If you've got a degree of flexibility and you can do a bit of planning, timing is really important around when you're going to sell. The next one is around presentation. Um, and it's becoming more and more important every year when it comes to property. Um, and vendors that aren't prepared to go that extra distance with minimal expenses can end up leaving thousands of dollars um, on the table and not get the, the results that they should. And by failing to maximize the presentation on your property, you could miss out on multiple buyers. Um, so someone might look at it and not necessarily have the vision to be able to see what could be done to the property. Many people think they can see, but a lot can't. And so you need to be able to actually put that in front of them. And so spending money here and there on a property's presentation, and that doesn't just mean um, styling furniture, it can mean paint, carpet, it can mean gardens, it might in some circumstances mean kitchens and bathrooms being done up. Particularly, for instance, you're looking at um, your buyer market being uh, first home buyers. First home buyers traditionally um, are attracted to new kitchens, bathrooms. There's a less um, amount of desire, desire, I should say, to carry out those works themselves. So you need to almost have that done for them so that they can just move straight in. Um, and if you haven't done that, then you're relying on others to come in and do the work. And, and that's been further emphasised with um, the increased costs of works to be done and the trades, the lack of availability of tradies around these days. So if you're able to get that done at a, at a reasonably um, efficient price, then it saves on the buyer having to do that and most likely will engage with more buyers. So I think that's a really important um, aspect. It, it goes to, I guess, understanding who your likely buyers are for the property and making sure you're going to meet their expectations um, and what and cater for their needs really. And then finally, I just wanted to look at um, marketing and making sure that you get that correct. Um, again, seems um, obvious and, and fairly simple, but uh, a lot of people still don't get the marketing side of things right. Uh, a lot of agents put forward off-market campaigns. Um, but really, if you're looking down that off-market, you are heavily relying on a an agent's database. Off-market campaigns can be suitable for some vendors. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't consider it. It might be from a, a discretion perspective or privacy from a, a personal reason, or perhaps it's just a quick and easy because there is a legitimate buyer there who's prepared to pay a strong price and, and perhaps match settlement that you really need. So there can be reasons for it, but more often than not, you are much better to go to the market and, and not rely on just that agent's database because no matter how good the agent is, they can't know every single buyer in the market. And so you are potentially missing out on buyers that 
um, are new into the market or perhaps haven't looked at properties with that agent before um, who may love your property. And even if they're not the buyer, they may push an eventual buyer up to the, um, the successful price. So you obviously want to engage with as many people as possible. So capturing them is really important. Now, obviously, the, the traditional realestate.com, domain.com, real estate websites are really um, important in that space. Um, and print media, for example, has really dropped off um, in, in recent times. And for a lot of properties, it's just a waste of money and it's not appropriate. But there are still some where the print media absolutely has a place, particularly for those um, dormant buyers uh, who may not be actively on, on the real estate websites, but perhaps flick through the, um, the weekly, weekly Times, those sorts of things, or the domain and look at it and say, well, that actually could be a, a really good option for us. And that suits exactly what we've been looking for um, or could, we would consider buying. And all of a sudden that brings a new buyer in. Again, they may not be the eventual purchaser, but they could push the buyer up. And so you want to engage with as many people as you possibly can. So I think that's really important too. All right. So I guess what the summary today is there's a lot of elements which can seem really obvious, but even small mistakes with these sorts of campaigns can mean that um, you'll still get a, a, a good price, but are you maximizing your price? Are you getting the best um, best price that you possibly could and giving yourself the best chance to get the best price possible? Um, so the, I think the, the key takeaways would be take your time um, and do things the right way with the right people. Um, don't be pushed into things it, look, sometimes time is of the essence and you do really need to make a decision. But if you've planned leading into this, then it, it won't be about rushing. It'll be more about doing it the right way. So as I, as I always say, preparation is absolutely key. And I think that's really important. But thanks again for joining me for episode 61 of the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. That's it for today. Um, as always, please feel free to share the podcast far and wide, friends, family, colleagues, whoever else might have an interest in property. And if you'd like further information on how to make rewarding property decisions, please visit our website, wakeland.com.au. And as always, we wish you the best with your property decisions.